Today we're going to talk about actions to get you out of your character sheet, balancing encounters by realism, and my first and only puzzle. This is Dungeon Man Dragon Master. It's the Dragon Master! What do I mean by actions off of the character sheet? I feel like a lot of players get stuck in what their character has access to based on what's on the sheet. Uh, and I just think that can be relatively detrimental to a game in in certain circumstances. I remember in my very first game, there would be times when the DM would be like, okay, here's the situation. What do you guys want to do? And everyone would go completely silent. Why were they silent? Well, because they were reading their character sheets, trying to figure out what like features they had access to. And I always liked playing spellcasters, so mine was always, what spell do I have that can get me out of this? Well, there's more to it than that. And there's another element of getting stuck in the character sheet that I think is important to note. Combat gets a little stale after a while, right? I mean, think about a warlock. They basically have cast Eldritch Blast, and that's it. That's that's the entirety of their turn, every turn. Eldritch Blast, miss. Okay, next. It gets boring. Same with marshals. They have, you know, attack. Okay, I'm done. So there's more that can be done there. We can add variety. We can do more fun things. And I just want to I just want to touch on that stuff. I want to start with the actual tactical gold known as the ready action. Can we talk? So the ready action, for those who aren't as familiar with it, is basically you can do anything that you can do on an action as a reaction as long as you plan it ahead of time. So in, you're way over far away and you know the baddie's going to get to you on the next turn, but you can't get to him right now. He's got a higher movement or something. So instead of waiting there, getting ready to take an attack and then taking damage and then hitting him later on your next turn, you can take the ready action. You choose what condition will start the reaction and then what action you take. And that action can be any action or moving up to your movement. So if you're trying to run away from the guy, you say, okay, I'm going to move my movement and then I'm going to take the ready action. If he comes within 10 feet of me, I'm going to move my movement away from him. And then you do. Guess what? He doesn't catch you. And I know you're thinking, why wouldn't I just take the dash action? Well, you can do that, but that's allowing them to plan ahead. Now you're running in tandem with them. It's a reaction. Or if it gets within five feet of me, I'm going to attack it. By the way, if you have extra attack, that applies with every time you take the attack action. And you are taking the attack action. You're just doing so as a reaction. It's beautiful. The warning I will give to this is that with magic, there's more risk. If you are, let's say, a fighter and you say, my ready action is going to be if he becomes within five feet of me, I'm going to hit him with my sword. Cool. If he doesn't come within five feet of you, you just don't do that, and you can use your reaction for something else. But with magic, it's different. If you cast a leveled spell with the ready action, what happens is you're essentially concentrating on the spell immediately, and then it goes off as a reaction. And if you don't use it during that time until your next turn, then you still lose the spell slot. So keep that in mind. If you're going to cast like, I don't know, chromatic orb you say oh if he comes within you know 30 feet or when he when he crosses the doorway i'm going to cast chromatic orb at him okay but if he doesn't do that and you don't end up casting it as the reaction it goes away just something to keep track of but that's just one thing there's also a set of actions that are kind of listed that are really really effective and i'm going to go about them 
kind of individually, but kind of all together. And those actions are dash, disengage, dodge, and hide. Now, there are some classes that get to do these as bonus actions. The monk gets dash, disengage, and dodge, and the rogue gets dash, disengage, and hide. They're fantastic if you're not looking to fight right away. If you're trying to run away or get into a better position, sometimes it's better to take a turn to dash. Just get somewhere. Get where you need to be, whether it be far away or very close. And then you're ready for things on your next turn. If you're trying to get to, uh, let's say, a vantage point on a balcony to look over the battlefield, it might be better to spend a turn dashing than it would be to sit in the doorway and attack and then, like, lure some guys to follow you. No, just get to your spot faster. That's better. A disengage, which means that your movement doesn't provoke opportunity attacks. Are you a squishy and you're surrounded by three dudes? Yeah, it might be a better idea to just disengage and get out of there, at least behind a tank or someone who can take more of a hit so that if they try to come after you, you've got someone there to defend you. The dodge action is also great for tanks. If you know you're not going to be able to do a lot of damage to something, taking the dodge action, which just means that all attacks against you until your next turn have disadvantage, means that you don't have to just rely on having a high AC and a lot of HP. Now, the attack might just miss you. Did you use your action You didn't deal any damage? Well, yeah, but what if that's not your thing? You don't have to. You can just dodge, and then nothing hits you. And if it does, it has to hit a high AC. And if it does, then it has a whole bunch of HP to get through. Like, you're fine along those regards. That's a great thing to do. Hiding is also fun, but you got to kind of watch your surroundings, which I think is a great thing to do in the first place. If you're aware of what's around you, you can duck behind a pole and use the hide action. If your stealth is good enough, Maybe you won't be seen, and then on your next turn, you can pop out and have advantage on an attack or something. It's great to be able to have access to that kind of stuff, and everyone can do them. The other one to keep track of is use an object. That's actually written into the books, is use an object. If there's an object around you, you can use it. Pull a lever, open a door, open a window. Those are all things you can do, and you can check your inventory. That's a fun one as well. Do you have a bag of ball bearings? Chuck them on the ground. That's probably going to become difficult terrain now. Anybody could stumble and trip over these little marbles. That's great. Do you have a pitten? Stick it in a wall or, or chuck it at somebody. It's not going to deal as much damage as a javelin or a dart, but hey, it exists. There's a lot you can try to do that doesn't require just reading the features that your class has, and it's going to be more fun for you, more creative. And the last thing I'll mention, and it's, it's put into a book, but... I mean, they don't really expand on it because there's nothing to expand on, and that's improvise. If there's anything you think you want to do, just tell your DM you want to do it. They have a way to make it work, and if they don't, they'll make it up. Do you want to try and taunt a bad guy and make him attack you? It's probably going to be relatively difficult depending on what kind of bad guy you're against, but hey, that sounds like an intimidation check, right? There's a lot you can try to do. Do you want to knock over a table and hope that that gives you cover? Oh my God, take advantage of cover. Maybe that's a good idea too. Would an arrow go through it? Probably not all the way, but if you step back a little bit, you're fine. There's a lot you can do in the game that's not going to be on a character sheet. And I know there's a lot you can do that won't be on a character sheet because you know what else isn't on the character sheet? Any of the bad guys. There's so much in the game. All you have to do is think, what do I want to do? 
and do it. DMs out there, how many of you have a really hard time balancing a game because your characters are, are just really min-maxed or, or even the reverse of that? They're so into their character, they don't really know about... All the all the stats and stuff, and they don't really want to care about all the stats and stuff. They're just into their character and what they can do and all that stuff. Balancing is hard. It's not like you just put it into a spreadsheet and say, "Okay, this much XP and we're good to go." It doesn't work like that because everyone's got different strengths and weaknesses, right? If you've got a team that is very ranged focused, and let's say I don't know, it's four Aarakocra spellcasters. They're just going to stay way out of reach of anybody melee and sling spells. So you're now like, okay, I have to balance that so I can't use anybody melee anymore. Like, it, It's hard to find all the ways to balance it. But here's the thing. Wizards has published modules and adventures and stuff. So if you're making your own thing, that's fine. But the point is, all those modules... None of them mention the build of the party. None of them say, if you've got five barbarians, make sure you only use magic users. And if you've got a wizard that knows counterspell, make sure that every magic user that you put in there has counterspell also to counter the counter. Like, that's not a thing. So how do they do that? And I think it's a very simple process. Mainly, you just have to think like the baddies. So instead of trying to balance a game based on the players that are playing, why not build an encounter that makes sense for that group of baddies to have? Think about it. If you're going into the baddies' lair, what does he do in there? What, what's, the, what's the point of him having a lair? Is it literally just a bunch of traps so that he can have a big fight with the good guys in the end? No, that's not the point. The lair has a reason. Is there a room in there where he keeps all of his stuff? Is there a room in there where all of the lower gang members sleep? Is there a room for training? Is there an armory? Is there a kitchen, right? What, what, are, what are the reasons for all of these rooms in these elaborate dungeons that you make? That's going to help you out drastically because now you know what to put in there. Is there an armory? Okay. That's going to have a bunch of basic weapons. So that's a nice place to go if you're, let's say, captured by the baddies. Now they find the armory. Wow, we have all the weapons we can access now. This is great. So that's a cool thing. It's tactical, but it makes sense. Is there a bedroom of the big bad that he's not in for some reason? Okay, well, what's in there? Is that where he keeps his big fancy artifact? Because if so, you might be able to steal it, assuming you can find it. He'll want to lock it down, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. That's what that is. Now, take it even a step further than that. Think tactically as this big bad evil guy, right? Okay, well, I want to make this army and make sure that I am always ready to go if anybody wants to try and fight me and take all my stuff. Okay. I'm going to need a big, strong dude to be up front so that he doesn't come after me. I'm also going to need a bunch of guys who can shoot people from far away. That way, you know, while the big guys are doing stuff, we can deal more damage. Like, you get to think like your own party, but your access is way higher than leveled characters. You get to use stat blocks of everything and think like the bad guy. And you can also consider where you are. Are you in a city? Okay, that changes things. Maybe you've got a basement. Maybe there are buildings. What are those buildings for? Do you run through a 
a blacksmith, you're probably going to find maybe a hammer or a really hot coal, you know, like you can throw at somebody and deal some fire damage. That's that's just off the cuff. Is there a shop where maybe you can steal a potion in the middle of battle, right? There's a lot of stuff going on there. Just think about that. What are you, what about in the forest? If everyone's flying, right? Let's say you've got your four Aarakocra and everyone's flying. Well, what would someone flying have to worry about in the forest? Are there bandit archers that hang out in trees with crossbows? Are there druids who are very upset about the fact that anybody would be in their forest uh, or are there even bigger flying creatures, Quetzalcoatl, or however the heck you pronounce that? There's so much that can be done, and it has nothing to do with who the the party is. It has everything to do with building a world that is balanced because it is real. And the hardest one that I think to balance by realism is puzzles. Puzzles are something that people want in their games because it's a fun change of pace, but Good Lord, how do you build a puzzle that makes sense? Why is it that you would walk up to a big statue and it would have a riddle on it and then you would solve the riddle and it would explode and there's a really powerful staff in there? Why? Who does that? Why would they do that? So instead of building the puzzle for the sake of building the puzzle, think about why that staff is in that statue and why that's the way it was protected. So let's take a different example. Let's go back to this dungeon made by the big bad evil gang leader guy, right? Okay. He has a dagger and it is so powerful. It does. Let's say it's like the Rakdos right knife, right? Like it's, it's, it's super good. It's a legendary. It does a whole bunch of stuff. Okay. He's not going to keep it on him at all times. He doesn't need to do that, but he needs a place to store it, right? All right. So he's not just going to leave it in his room because anybody could get into his room, right? So he's going to have to find a secure place to put it. He wants to hide it. Okay, how about my bedside table? That's a good place to put it. That's an awesome spot. But here's the problem. If somebody goes looking through his room, they're going to open the drawer and boop, there it is. All right, so it needs to be something locked, something that only he can find. What if he puts a safe in the wall? There you go. Now there's a code. There's a combination. Nobody can just get into it. He's got to, only he knows the code. So he has to be the one to open it. Okay, good. Now we're getting somewhere. But you know what? Not every safe is completely solid. And it doesn't defend against everything. What about a disintegration spell? What about a banish spell? You banish the safe, but not anything inside it, right? What, there's a lot that we can do with that. So maybe we don't want the safe to be obvious. What if I hide, a, hide it behind a tapestry? What if we just hang the tapestry behind it? That's good. That's really good. But you know what? I don't want it to be a really nice tapestry because someone might want to steal that. And if they come in and steal it, oh no, they found the safe. Oh, it's got to be, it just looks like a regular decoration. See, now we're getting to something that sounds like a puzzle. And the puzzle is, once you find that safe, now you have to unlock it. It just opens it up to many new things. And that's just one example of a puzzle. Maybe it is a riddle that is magically sealed something or other and you have to say the right word. And okay, well, I know the word, so I don't have to write anything down, but I've also got a few of these. So what if I forget which word it is? I'll just write down the word somewhere. No, I don't want to write down the word because someone's going to find that piece of paper and then they're going to know it. Oh, I'll put it in riddle form to remind me what the word is. There's a reason that the riddle was made, not because it wants to test the might of adventurers and oh, you solved my riddle. I guess you get my super cool thing. 
it's there because it's the I forgot my password button, <laughs> essentially. So those are some ways that we can actually build by realism. Take the reason that something is there and build off of that as opposed to saying my party can do this and here's what we're going to do. And in terms of puzzles, <laughs> let me tell you about mine. The party had been traveling through the realm of Theros. And in my version of Theros, in the volcano, there is a forge uh, run by the people who worship the god Perforos. Something happened and creatures from different realms were making their way into this place. And unfortunately, one of the creatures that made its way into this forge was a creature who just exuded an insanity about him. A sire of insanity, in case you want to go look it up. And so the people working in the forge started going crazy. They were losing their mind. They were hurting each other. They were killing each other. It became dangerous. And what happened was a group of warriors and magic users came in and they locked this creature in a cage magically. And they sealed this cage with magic so that it couldn't get out of the cage, but also nothing could really get into it. So hopefully they didn't have to worry about it. And they sealed it with a lock, a magical lock that could not be broken and could only be opened with a key that was made with a certain combination of metals. The key itself was a skeleton key. And after a little bit of time, they realized that the insanity from this creature was still leaking out. Nobody could get close to it. They just had to evacuate until... Our team of adventurers made their way to this volcano to make sure that the god Perforos could have his followers making beautiful metal creations in his name. Now, a little bit more backstory. Our party was a fighter, a monk, a rogue, and a warlock slash bard. Our rogue was a relatively new player. He probably wasn't going to take the game fully seriously the whole time. I doubt that anything tactical was going to come from him. And so I very early on gave him a sentient rapier artifact, Silken Spite, in case you want to go look it up. So this was my scene, and I was ready to go for it. Uh, and the puzzle that I had built, uh, like I said before, was very simple. All they had to do was find the right combination of metals to smelt a key that would open this lock. And then they got to fight the thing. So the setup went like this. As they explored the forge, they found six different chests that were all filled with scrap metal and were labeled. That scrap metal was all sorted through. So there was aluminum, iron, nickel, copper, zinc, and tin. Those were the six metals that they had access to. They later found two sheets of paper that listed the metals that the forge would deal with, listed in order of periodic number, which was also on that sheet, and another one that they found out was burnt in half, and listed the number of parts for each piece of this key, but the part that was burned off was which metals were which. All they had to do was take the right metals, put them in the right order, in the right amounts, smelt a key, unlock it, kill the monster. Pretty simple, right? What's the key to this puzzle? <laughs> Pun intended. The deal is, I'm not good at making puzzles. I'm really not. Either there's not a clue to figure out how to fix it, or it's such a linear design that a monkey could pull it off. So I decided, instead of building a puzzle with game mechanics, I would build a puzzle with realistic, logical mechanics. So if I were people working in this forge and I needed to make a key with specific parts, 
I would probably list the parts of the key in one of two ways. One, I would sort them by how much goes in. So like the most of this metal goes in and then after is this and then this, 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 you know, et cetera, until you get down to the least amount is this much. Either that order or alphabetically because it just makes sense. The second sheet of paper they found said four parts, two parts, two parts, two parts, one part, two parts, laying out that it certainly was not sorted by what has the most and what has the least. So the only other way of sorting it, aside from it being in periodic order, which is the way it is on the other sheet of paper, is alphabetical. That's the answer. When they made this key, they wrote down the recipe for it, and they put it in alphabetical order so that they could say, oh, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, done. So in my head, what was going to happen was, okay, the party will come in, they'll find the two sheets of paper, they realize there's no silver and no gold in the room, so clearly those aren't parts of the metals in there. They're not going to try and take their gold and smelt it into, that's not part of it. Because there are six things, and there are six metals they have access to. Done. And then they'll try and make a key in that order, starting with aluminum at four parts and iron at two parts and, you know, just all that way. And then they'll try the key and it, oh, it won't work. Well, what other way can we sort this stuff, guys? Maybe, I don't know, maybe alphabetical order? Do it. Oh, my God, it worked. And now we're fighting a guy. And I, I thought it was going to be way too easy. And I was so nervous because I, I put some effort into this, figuring out all the pieces and, and where they fit and what makes sense. And I was ready for this to be like, a 15 minute interaction. And, and that was going to be like, well, that was my first attempt. I guess I'll try again some other time. This took an hour and a half <laughs> and I'll tell you why. And it's the funniest thing. They had assumed the entire time it was going to be difficult that they couldn't really figure it out. And I was trying to give hints through the only way that I could, the sentient rapier that my rogue had. Here's the problem. The rogue was the doofus of the group. So nothing that he says could possibly make sense to solve the puzzle, right? So at one point in time, I, I think like 30 minutes into it, he goes, well, what if it's an alphabetical order? And the fighter goes, no, it's not that. And the rogue goes, yeah, it's probably not that. And they move past it. They don't try it until eventually I make him do a bunch of rolls, the things you're not supposed to do with puzzles. And I say, how about you try it in alphabetical order? And they do. And it worked. And I, <laughs> it was the funniest interaction for me because I had been recording all the sessions and the monk was like, nobody ever said that. And I was like, yeah, dude, the rogue absolutely said that. And he's like, no, he totally didn't. And I had to go back and cut out the recording and play it for him. It was so funny, but that's what I'm saying. That simple of a concept. And that's all of the puzzle. That's the only puzzle I ever made, and we'll see if I ever try to make another one after that. Thank you so much for listening. If you know anybody who you think might enjoy what I've got to say, send them my way, and I will see you next time on Dungeon Man Dragon Master. That was the Dragon Master.